guys know if you've been listening for a while that this uh there are different kinds of podcasts, right? This one is uh you know, one of those types of podcasts where we try to talk about world events, things going on all over the world. But I do have uh, a number of places that I have better knowledge of uh, and worse knowledge of. And for me, Peru is not one of my uh, focused on places. So, you know, I've read Eduardo Galeano, I've read <laughs> Peruvian uh, literature, um, I believe uh, the famous Mario Vargas Llosa, who is, uh, who's, uh, I think, a right-wing literature, yeah, Peruvian. I was just looking that up, making sure that I do have him right. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I know a lot about Colombia. I've been there many times. I know about Venezuela. I've been there a couple of times. Uh, in Latin America, those are the places that I focus on. I would normally invite a guest uh, to talk about Peru, uh, but because things happen so fast uh, with the coup, um, you know, my friend Tarek uh, suggested that we should at least do something anytime there's a coup anywhere. <laughs> uh and uh, there's a podcast uh, called The Arms Control Wonk, I think, that Tarek listens to. And he said, you know, anytime anybody fires a missile, they do an emergency podcast. And he suggested that we do uh, an emergency podcast based on um, the coup in Peru that just happened. So because it's not an area of focus for me... Uh, all I can do is tell you what I'm reading um, and what, how I'm making sense of a situation like this. Um, uh, because I do know coups. I may not know um, Peru very well, but I do know coups. And this uh, is definitely recognizable as one. So where I went first, actually, is uh, the uh, organization, I guess, called, um, what are they called? It's Vijay Prashad, uh, People's Dispatch, um, and they've done a podcast, episode 105. They talked about the coup. And if you go on the Twitter feed of Manolo de los Santos, who is part of the Tricontinental uh, and the People's Forum, he's been following it. Uh, and he's got a pretty good Twitter thread uh, about it, uh, where he summarizes it. And he, he actually got an article in the important left newspaper in uh, Mexico called La Jornada. La Jornada is the newspaper that people followed in the 90s and 2000s to find out what was happening with the Zapatistas. And Manolo is writing about Peru. So just going through um, a couple of things that Manolo has written. Um, per, there's a thread where he talks about how the election uh, last year, uh, I guess a little bit more than a year ago, uh, Pedro Castillo, who's an indigenous background and school teacher, very humble uh, beginnings, won the election, very close election against the uh, daughter of the former dictator of Peru, uh, Keiko Fujimori, the, the uh, dictator's name was Alberto Fujimori. 
Um, and so it was really a kind of a left versus right um, election. And of course, as per the pattern in Venezuela and elsewhere, the right wing did not recognize the results of the election. They're not Democrats. They don't believe in uh, recognizing elections unless they won them. So they uh, set about trying to sabotage the uh, government of Castillo. Um, so how did they do that? Well, I mean, all of the usual kinds of tactics that I'm familiar with because of Venezuela, whether it's trying to have strikes or other kinds of sabotage, but lots of what is today called lawfare. So a lot of what might be familiar if you followed the Brazil coup. Uh, I did a couple of episodes with Diana Aguiar about the Brazil coup uh, against Dilma Rousseff in uh, 2016. So that uh, example where they used the legal uh, proceedings against the leader. There was actually a coup in kind of a coup in Argentina as well uh, at the exact same time as this, but I'll save that for another time. Um, so Manolo had this thread and just reading a little bit of the article um, published in La Jornada, uh, the Peruvian oligarchy overthrows uh, President Castillo. I'm just, I'm just going through and reading a little bit, uh, translating as I go. I think, I assume, I'm, I'm one, this article says it was produced by Globetrotter, so I wonder whether it was actually in English originally, and I'm now translating it into English. <laughs> it might be easier for me to find this, the English uh, version, but here we go. Um, the 16th of June was an important uh, uh, date for the Peruvian oligarchy. Pedro Castillo Terrones, a teacher from the countryside who had never been elected for any public office, won in the second round of the elections with 50.13% of the votes. More than 8.8 .8 million people voted for the program, which included profound social reforms and the promise of a new constitution uh, against the candidate of the extreme right, Keiko Fujimori. Um, in a dramatic uh, moment, the, the historic program of neoliberalism and repression uh, from the ex-dictator Alberto Fujimori and his daughter Keiko was rejected at the polls. Um, since then, the Peruvian oligarchy declared war on Castillo. They converted the 18 months that followed into a period of great hostility, trying to destabilize, including legal uh, war, uh, lawfare, whatever, uh, llamado, uh, it was called uh, get rid of communism, the industrial, uh, I guess the Chamber of Commerce kind of thing, the National Society of Industries, designed a plan to make the country ungovernable. In October 2021, they did uh, public recordings. There were public recordings that revealed that from June of 2021, this group of business members uh, had planned a series of actions, including the financing of protests and strikes, uh, members of the old military allied with politicians of the extreme right, like Fujimori, and, and started to ask openly for the fall of Castillo, threatened government functionaries and left journalists. Uh, the right in the Congress... Uh, tried to get Castillo out in his first, in two, two times in his first year of office. Um, and they've 
kept going since. Uh, so what happened? The governing class uh, never could accept that a rural teacher and uh, peasant leader could be the president for millions of poor Black and Indigenous people um, who saw in Castillo a hope of a better future. Um, but before these attacks, Castillo uh, was distanced more and more from his cab from his political base. Uh, he created four cabinets to try to pacify the business sector, giving away more and more uh, to the demands of the right and uh, weakening the left ministers that uh, challenged the status quo. He broke with his party, uh, Peru Libre, when it was uh, openly questioned, when he was questioned by his leaders. He asked for help from the discredited organization uh, OAS, the uh, Organization of, of American States, to look for solutions uh, instead of mobilizing those uh, powerful movements uh, of the indigenous and peasants in the country. Finally, he, at the end, he was fighting alone without the support of the masses or parties of the left. So obviously he was not going to win that. The final crisis for Castillo was on the 7th of December. Uh, today's the 10th of December, by the way. Weakened by months of accusations of corruption, internal struggles of the left, and multiple intents to criminalize him, which is the same thing, again, they did to Lula in Brazil, the same thing they did to Correa in Ecuador. So this is, a, a, again, a part of a pattern for how these coups uh, unfold. Castillo was finally uh, removed and jailed. Uh, he was substituted by his vice president, Dina Boluarte, who, um, after 10, uh, who takes over after the Congress uh, removed him with 100 votes in favor, six against, and 10 abstentions. Um, what else can we say? Boluarte, a little more Pedro Castillo. Okay, so let's just skip to the last paragraph. The coup against Pedro Castillo supposes it is a big reverse for the actual wave of progressive governments in Latin America and for popular movements that selected them, this coup. And the detention of Castillo has been a, a strong uh, memory or reminder that the governing elites of Latin America will never cede power without a uh, struggle to the finish. Uh, this, uh, now that the dust um, has settled, the only the only guarantors uh, are the. The only winners, sorry, the only winners are the Peruvian oligarchy and their friends in Washington. So a couple of other things before uh, I give you a little bit of my own um, thoughts. Uh, Castillo's program was supposed to increase social spending. Um, I, They did, the right wing certainly did strive to make uh, his government unviable. And uh, um, there, I, I do agree with Manolo's uh, analysis that that it was um, that Castillo's, you know, try like uh, it's another example of when one of these leaders tries to placate their enemies rather than you know mobilizing their friends, and it's uh, you the the enemies never back off; they're never 
satisfied and the more you give them the more they try to get so it's never it doesn't seem to be a good strategy if you're a left-wing government trying to survive to uh play there may be cases where it is uh you know um can't off the top of my head you know people have argued that that's what lula had to do or you know aristide has had to do that but in both cases they were both overthrown both of these were overthrown so we'd have to find somebody who wasn't overthrown who used a conciliatory strategy there probably are some uh and if i think of one while i'm talking i will (laughs) i will just uh, interrupt myself so the the next place i go so i'd again i recommend people's dispatch i'd recommend um i'd recommend uh, Tricontinental, Manolo de los Santos, but also Telesur. I always go and check out what Telesur is saying. Um, yesterday, there was a story about movements. There, there has been there have been marches in the capital of uh, Peru in Lima today. Um, there's an article called uh, "Move Social Movements uh, Demand uh, Elections." So they're demanding uh, that they're in the they're in the Plaza San Martin, the the kind of center of the city, and their demands are that they um, they lo que planteamos. So they're saying uh, one of the one of the people uh, told uh, Telesur they said what we want is new elections with new rules. There has to be a referendum where people have reforms and devolve power to the people uh, and ask about a new constitution. So this was also this is kind of like Chavismo in a way. Uh, the idea that you get elected, you change the constitution, you use the new constitution to make the kinds of reforms. And in a way, Castillo was uh, kind of talking about that from the beginning, that they need a new constitution. Um, so there are demonstrations and the coup, you know, may not stand. They may end up being forced to have elections uh, sooner or later. They often try to drag them out as long as they can. Uh, Bolivia, uh, Honduras, they both had coups and then they tried to hang on for as long as they could they ended up being forced to have elections and then the government the party that was ousted ended up right back in power um and that's the situation in bolivia today um ecuador was a little more sophisticated in the sense that they got someone from that party to betray everything that (laughs) correa had stood for so that's a separate, uh, again, maybe we'll talk about that another time. So Castillo was trying to get uh, exile. He was trying to get asylum in Mexico. And I guess Mexico has affirmed that they would be okay to grant uh, exile. They've declared that the coup was unfortunate. Um, but uh, that's, uh, that's, where Mexico is at. So now the last piece that I'm looking at here uh, is from a couple days ago and Dina Boluarte, the new president, has decided not to call early elections. Now we'll see whether she is able to actually stick to that. Now let me just scan Telesur again to see whether there's any other new uh, stuff about Peru, uh, Lula. No, no, not that I see. Okay, so now, what can I add to this? Uh, So I've told you a bit about sources I'd recommend, what I'm reading about it. Um, I've also said uh, 
gone through a little bit of the chronology. Uh, what I'd say is, again, to agree with Manolo here, uh, this is a setback for sure. Uh, this is bad for um, bad for movements in the region. Uh, it's you know a, a blow struck for uh, the U.S. Um, and its friends uh, for sure. Um, but like in the, I don't know where it leaves. Uh, you know, probably for me the most counterintuitive left wing government that's in office right now, which is. Uh, Colombia and Petro uh, as the president. And I don't know what it means for Petro uh, because in a lot of ways, Colombia has been the base of a lot of the destabilization of left-wing movements and governments in the region. And uh, for it to have a left-wing government elected, we've, we've done some stuff about that already. We'll continue to watch that. And, and anytime that something happens like this, you know what's going on in Colombia, what's going on in Venezuela is is very, uh, you know, I I, I want to see that um, Bolivia too, of course, uh, and Evo uh, Morales, the president of Bolivia, and Bolivia. Remember, Bolivia and Peru used to be the same country. Uh, Bolivia was called Upper Peru, I think, or Upper Lima, and uh, they had a lot of historical connections, a lot of political and economic uh, connections, uh, climate, ever, so much of Peru and Bolivia is shared. And so, you know, a lot of these trajectories between uh, Castillo and Morales, it's hard not to see the parallels between Castillo and Morales, although I would say Morales was a little bit, um, I don't know, a little, maybe a little bit more of a movement person than Castillo, a little bit uh stronger in some ways although of course he also got overthrown so uh so where does that leave us for peru peru i think the main point in terms of what's happening is that it's certainly not over there are demonstrations going on and i think it'll definitely be a a situation to watch how much uh the coup the golpistas the people who made the coup uh can get away with so maybe I should say a few words about the other coup um, in Argentina. I have been to Argentina once. I was in Argentina in 2003, uh, briefly in Buenos Aires. Uh, very different for me from the other places in Latin America that I'd been. It felt a lot more European uh, to me. Um, Argentina's vice president and former president, Cristina Fernandez Kirchner, has been, um, I don't know, she's been barred from running for office. She's been sentenced to six years in prison on corruption charges. So corruption has been like the, I mean, the the way they got to Lula and the way they got to Dilma is these completely corrupt judiciaries charge the politicians with corruption. And of course, the case against them is created through corruption, bogus charges, faked evidence, and so on. But then um, the accusation against them is corruption. So it's kind of an instrumental um, use of corruption charges against Brazil and now in Argentina as well. So 
there's a group called the so just on again on Telesur, there's a story called Puebla Group postpones meeting in support of Cristina Fernandez, um, and they're going to uh, you know there's someone there's a quote here in the Telesur story from former Chilean presidential candidate Marcos Enriquez Ominami says, we'll analyze the instrumental use of the justice system in the prescription of progressive leadership. This happened with the same forms and mechanisms in Brazil, Ecuador, Bolivia, Chile, and Argentina. Um, Ben Norton, who's been on the show before, uh, highly recommend his work, although you probably know his work if you are here listening. Um, But he, he tweeted, uh, you know, Argentina's corrupt, heavily politicized judicial system absurdly sentenced left-wing former president and current VP Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner to six years in prison on ridiculous corruption charges. This is lawfare like the bogus charges against Lula. It's a judicial coup. So when you look at Argentina and Peru and quoting as Evo Morales did that this is basically two coups, in Latin America, in South America, in a, about a week. Well, then you see a broader pattern or a bigger game afoot here. Uh, and uh, you have to wonder where, what else is coming <laughs> and, uh, and where, who's next. Um, and, you know, how people, how the, you know, the popular forces in the country are going to try to get through this, uh, fight back, uh, try to reverse the coup in Peru, probably, and, and, you know, whatever reaction there will be in Argentina also hasn't happened yet. Uh, I imagine, I'm not sure. I mean, Argentina also has oscillated between right-wing and left-wing governments uh, in the past few years, so we will, that's another one to watch. I will stop there with this emergency uh, podcast and uh, hope um, hope that was helpful. Uh, I will, if I can get a guest uh, about Peru, I will, and uh, and see whether there's more to. Maybe I'll maybe I'll see if that some of the someone from Tricontinental wants to come on just to chat. Maybe Manolo himself or Vijay or somebody like that. And, uh, and we'll see what we can, uh, we can bring you in terms of a little bit more detail. All right, see you, uh, see you in the next episode.